This is Higher Ed Heroes with Dr. Sebastian Kempf and Dr. Alistair Stark. Welcome to Higher Ed Heroes. My name is Seb. And my name's Al. This podcast is about transformative moments in the classroom. We believe that these moments, when we bring our classrooms to life, can often be achieved by making small changes that are actually quite easy to adopt. And that's our focus. Small things communicated in simple ways by great teachers who know that their practices make a difference to their students. So the idea is that you listen to these great teachers, reflect on their practices, and think about whether it might work for your classroom. And because we know that you're busy and time poor, we always want to communicate these lessons in a jargon-free way, which is why we have the buzzer. No! Which we hit when we hear those buzzwords that we think belong more in teaching committees or faculty meetings. Seb, shall we introduce this week's guests? I thought you'd never ask, Al. Thank you. Uh, We've got two guests here, two wonderful guests indeed. To my immediate right, we've got Kiriloy Ingram, And then a little bit further to my right, we've got Andrew Dougal. Both are in the process of just submitting their PhD or have just submitted their PhD. So very exciting time. PhDs in international relations here at UQ and have had already a few early experiences in terms of teaching. Kiri and Andrew, welcome. Thank you, Sebanel. Thanks. Great to be here. I'm particularly excited today, Seb, because it's the first time we've got an extra Scotsman in the room. So there might be a, a joke here in my head swirling around that I might be able to uh, uh, materialise and communicate. <laughs> what we want to talk about today is initial experience of lecturing. It's an interesting point, your first lecture, the first moment you step in front of a, a group of students in higher education It's a nervy moment, it's a fraught moment, but it can be a wonderful moment. So we're going to uh, begin with asking you about the nerves. How nervous were you and what specifically were you worried about before you entered that lecture room for the first time? Let's start with you, Kiri. I was extremely nervous. I have a hard time speaking generally, let alone teaching in higher education. (laughs) Um, And so... I was very, very nervous leading up to my first lecture. There are a few things I was most scared about, but the number one thing was coming across as if I didn't have a command of the knowledge or if a student was going to ask me a question and I didn't know how to answer it. That was probably the number one thing I was most scared of leading up to my first lecture. Classic imposter syndrome that we all share. Yeah, I would just echo that really. I think um, I was a bag of nerves before doing my first lecture. I mean, this was also pre-COVID, so it was a real lecture hall. There were real people sitting there a few feet from me. It wasn't me and my webcam. I couldn't easily retake something that I didn't like or hadn't gone well. My main worry was that I would be found out to be not a subject matter expert, not uh, the final authority on... Uh, the issue I was talking about. You realise as you as you sort of develop in your teaching that that's not necessarily the right expectation to have of yourself, but that's certainly how I felt going in. How did you deal with those worries in the run-up towards that lecture in the preparation preparatory phase of that lecture? How did that worry then express itself? Personally, I took myself back to when I first started university and I remember I was always so intimidated by my lecturers I viewed them as this beacon of knowledge. And I 
didn't want to come across that way in my classes. I wanted to be approachable, and so I sort of just took a step back and really thought, okay, good teaching, I think, is being able to communicate to everybody on the same level and also being able to admit when you don't know something. I think that's really important. And I also found that that was important in establishing a comfortable learning space where if I could admit I didn't know something, the students could also say, I don't know, which was really important. And so how did that manifest, Kiri? Did you Were you explicitly saying, you know, this is what I know, this is what I don't know? Or We often talk about vulnerability in lectures and you mention approachability, you know, there's an honesty to that that builds trust were you explicit is that what you what you did explicitly yes yeah I was explicit so in in the very first lecture I was very upfront and I said I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions but I'm never going to pretend that I know an answer when I don't because that won't help any of us and I expect the same of you if you don't know something you can just say I don't know it's really important because if we can acknowledge what we don't know then we know where we need to do our research moving forward I agree with everything that Kerry said about what makes a good lecture and and really the value of being able to say explicitly to your students, look, I'm I'm the kind of tour guide to this topic. I'm here to point out the the most important highlights that you should spend time going and finding out about and here's why you should care about them. But if I'm really honest, I didn't have the the sort of composure uh, to do that on my very first lecture. I had the chance to listen back to my first lecture um, because we have recording facilities in our UQ lecture halls. And, uh, I do, you know, I sort of recommend that and I don't, in a sense, because um, <laughs> it's not the most comfortable experience. But it is, a, it is a teaching moment. And so my preparation had been basically three days straight of preparing, reading as much as I could about all the different aspects of this topic, anticipating the questions that I... I might be asked in, a, in, you know, in probably far too, you know, over-preparing, I think. I kind of agree that there are better ways to, to do it, you know. So let's say uh, uh, today's Andrew finds the magic DeLorean and jumps in the car and goes back to first lecture. Andrew, you tap him on the shoulder and what do you whisper in his ear? Like, relax? Yeah, definitely. I think relax and identify that it is your role going in not to be the ultimate authority on the subject that you're talking about but to try and bring it alive for the students and as I said before you, you know you're not the guidebook you're the tour guide right you're there to not to know the answer to every question but to point them in the most interesting directions that they can explore as independent learners I think I would say don't script the whole thing which is another thing I did the first time you're reading something you're going very quickly it can easily get a bit wooden and if possible try and bring those nerves under control um, with that in mind one of the things that you guys have on your side which Seb and I are increasingly struggling with is the the distance in age and the distance from being an undergraduate postgraduate student it's been a long time since Seb or I sat behind the desk and tried to take notes from someone else. Thanks for the reminder. Like longer for you than me. I'd like to add that. So you can capitalise on that? Did you find yourself trying to orientate towards the student body and, and putting yourself in, in their shoes? Because it's not been too long since you were sitting there. I was worried at first, however, that because the age gap isn't very big, that they wouldn't see me as 
you know, a source of legitimate knowledge. So I was afraid about that. But at the same time, I do think it is advantageous in that I could relate to the students. It wasn't that long ago I was in their position. And thinking through that also helped me calm my own nerves as well. Conversation just seemed to flow very easily. That being said, I was, and I do still get worried that maybe students perhaps don't see me as as knowledgeable as someone who's older. That is the core challenge, I think, um, of, of good lecturing and, and establishing a relationship with your students that is meaningful to them. Uh, I mean, just on the age thing, I'll say I have an 18-year-old sister who's recently started a, a politics degree back at home, actually. She's impressed by very little of what I have to say. So, um, you know, there's only so far maybe that you can go with trying to trying to really get in their shoes. But but the broader point, I think, is 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 a good one, um, which is that you want to come across as an approachable figure that is human, close to them. Uh, it doesn't hurt to acknowledge that you were recently in the same position they are. And being that accessible person rather than being coming across as a very distant person who's speaking down on high about this rarefied subject specialism that you have, right? That's, I find, can be quite alienating for students. I remember quite vividly, and I'm not going to say what it was for me, but I'd love to hear if that was similar for you, is that you have you, you think about that first lecture so much and you kind of try to anticipate everything and you try to be prepared and I've got a perfectionist streak. So you kind of put the bar very, very high and then you deliver that lecture and somehow I realized that, well, there's, there's a few things that I anticipated that actually happened and I lived up to or didn't live up to, but there were other things I didn't have on my mind or my radar at all. Did you have something similar, like things that surprised you about that first experience that you, in that effort to prepare for it, you might have overlooked? I was surprised actually by how fun it was. Because I do have a hard time speaking generally, I thought teaching would be awful. I thought I was going to hate it and I thought I would never do it after this first, first lecture. But I ended up loving it and I still love it and I find it really, really fun. Um, but part of that is, and this is to also help my ability to teach, is making sure it's a relaxed environment um, so that we all feel relaxed and conversation flows. Much like, you know, the way we're speaking now, I want conversation to be easy flowing um, and be people to be able to speak openly so long as it's, you know, in a, in a respectful manner. So I was surprised really and still am surprised by how fun teaching can be. You know, I kind of recall in my first couple of lectures a, a sort of tipping point moment almost where it seemed as though in those opening 10 minutes you know you're very nervous the students are sizing you up or at least you feel that way so what surprised me was probably just that how quickly and how easily we settled in together to to the to the session and to what we were there to to do and talk about and that's a, that's a good feeling, and and there's some enjoyment that comes. I, I I would agree from that sense that, okay, they're kind of with me now. I've kind of won them over, and we can all relax and and kind of enjoy the conversation. And I think that's where, you know, hopefully you're you're aiming to get to. So once you've built the rapport, and you begin to relax a little, and you've got the relationship there, what are the other practical things that, as you go through the semester, you would recommend for? new lecturers keeping extremely organized 
being on top of all of the readings, but also making sure your students are as well. So making sure you have regular communication and open communication with the students, but but also you're communicating in a way that, you know, you're helping the students along in the course. So you're reminding them every week of exactly what is expected of the students that week. You're giving them very lengthy reminders of upcoming assessments and offering support leading up to those assessments. So certainly being on top of the communication and organisation for the whole course. Two things that I found really helpful in just delivering what I felt was a better lecture than my very first one was um, remembering to speak quite slowly. You know, that listening back exercise, as painful as it was, taught me that in my nerves, in my rush to get through the material, I was going at quite a pace. And and it's actually hard to absorb information, concepts, especially the kind of complex material that's often in a university lecture. If the Clippers, you know, it's kind of going along quite, quite rapidly. So, you know, in my notes, I, I built in little reminders to myself to... To, to speak slowly, to keep it slow. And I also structured in pauses. So the other thing that I was conscious of is that, you know, if you're a student, but rather than being just talked at for an hour or even two hours as the lecture is often set up here, you want to have a chance to take a break. You want to have a chance to ask a clarifying question. You want to have a chance to relax and feel like you know, your place in the room is kind of important. It's beautiful. And I think what is interesting here is how there's a degree, Andrew, from what you describe about critical self-reflection about your own performance, trying to get a sense of what to take away from that for the next time you stand in on a in a lecture theatre. And it's courageous to listen to your own voice, but I think that's probably something that you've tried as well, Kira, like thinking of like, okay, first experience... What do I take away from that? How did you go about doing that? I remember this very clearly. After the first lecture, so and this was during COVID, so this was online over Zoom. And I, um, so it was all recorded and I had to upload it after for the external students. And to be completely honest, after that first lecture, I listened to about three seconds of it and I had to switch it off and just walk away and then come back. I was just not used to the sound of my own voice and especially in like, you know, this professional setting. Yeah, it was very, very hard. But as Andrew said, so important um, because I too realised I was speaking extremely fast but not only that I also wasn't breathing properly so I was getting breathless while I was talking which is what comes with nerves so something else that I did was actually remind myself to have a drink while I'm you know have some tea while I'm while I'm delivering a lecture in terms of the structure of the lecture making sure I was having discussions in between the lecture as well so just simply opening it up and saying well what do you think about this that's really brave as well to have those discussion moments. The first time where you throw a question to the audience and then you think, oh, is it going to be a cold silence and a, a tumbleweed blows through the room? That's quite a brave thing to do in a first lecture. I remember my first lecture, I did 130 acetate slides in two hours <laughs> in the, in the, on the old overhead projector. Do you get uh, through all of them? I got through 130 slides. 
But critical reflection can come in all sorts of ways. It can be about this agonizing listening to your act of listening to your own voice, but it can also be about just thinking afterwards of how did it go, taking down a few notes, or if you're brave enough to ask someone else to come along or to chat to fellow PhDs or people with who will go through the same experience, you know? Yes. To use a buzzword, what is it? Peer-reviewed learning? And Oh, I think that might be the case but it is wonderful if you can get a friend in the lecture room just to listen to some of those issues not to think about content but just to think about delivery and so maybe as a final question for both of you the number one tip you would give to someone who finds themselves in the situation that you both recently had been in first ever lecture nerves kick in what should they do? For me it was I just had to relax because I was building, uh, the nerves were just building up and up and it was, you know, becoming a detriment to the way I was actually delivering the lecture. Absolutely relax and be confident. And really, I think the same. And I think perhaps for me, the, the key thing that helped me bring my nerves under control was to remember or find the thing in the lecture material that I was really passionate about, to try and claim that interest and excitement and focus on trying to get that across to the students and I spoke about that tipping point earlier I felt like the moment where that happened was the moment where I succeeded in owning and delivering the thing that really fascinated me about that material relax and perhaps one that's one idea of a way to do it I guess it's about being authentic finding yourself in amongst that moment and being your authentic self as close as you can be because that's what will relax you and that will allow you to find your own feet mm. this has been wonderful Kiri and Andrew thank you so much for joining us here and being so open about what I think is a very important thing that we all go through but that goes that is a bit of a baptism of fire in many ways so thanks so much for being here um, and also if you as listeners heard anything that you found interesting of course you can find us on social media you can get in touch with us and we look forward to your company again 